0: I'm Kate Daniels, and I'm happy to introduce you to Debbie Reber, who is a New York Times bestselling author, speaker, founder of Tilt Parenting, and her proud achievement, being a mom to Asher. With school just beginning, I feel this conversation with Debbie Reber is so important for parents who have kids whom we might say have special needs, and potentially those differences may not be addressed in the classroom. So parents, you are the champion for your child. I feel Debbie may have important insights for you. Debbie wrote this important book because of her experiences and not finding the help that she needed. Differently Wired, Raising an Exceptional Child in a Conventional World is great, whether you are the parent, a teacher, or caregiver. Debbie shares great stories, and I feel any of us can feel we've met a kindred spirit. So let's do just that. Debbie Reber, good morning, and thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome, uh, because I'm also so grateful for this book that you've written, the work that you're doing, your, your place in the world, Differently Wired, is certainly a long-awaited book that I feel is going to be just uh, this greatest gift that so many parents, educators as well, family members, are going to embrace once they discover it. Mm, thank you so much. And it has been long awaited. Uh, It recaps a lot of your life experience because you, I would say, feel as though you are the fortunate mother of a very exceptional young son.
1: That is true. I have a 13-year-old differently wired son named Asher, and he is uh, gifted ADHD and Asperger's and it has been a journey, and it's not over yet, but it's been an incredible journey of really learning to just recognize who he is as a person and see what can happen when you stop fighting uh, you know, your expectations of what your journey as a parent was going to look like and lean into who your child is.
0: And this is why I feel that other parents in similar situations are going to feel like this is such a great gift, because uh, it you've essentially created a guidebook, but a roadmap, every child is going to be somewhat different. But I think it gives us hope and just a, a different way to approach and a different understanding of what's going on in the world.
1: Yeah, I that, thank you for saying that. And that is my hope. I think For so many parents whose children are moving through the world in a way that's not typical, we feel such a pervasive sense of overwhelm and isolation, especially when our kids are younger and we're just really realizing, okay, this is not the journey I thought it was going to be. This is going to be a lot more challenging. And that it it's really difficult to be in that situation and to feel that way and it and it hurts our whole family you know it hurts our kids it hurts our relationships and i really want parents to know that you can be raising an atypical child and still feel confident and true peace and true joy in the process it doesn't have to be you know this bad thing that's going to hang like a cloud over your family's life. You can flip the script around and actually really embrace all of what is happening in your world.
0: Because jumping to this point, uh, taking into account the past 13 years, it was a very rough start. And yet, here you are, you're writing this book, and you're having this really solid and interesting and and vibrant relationship with Asher.
1: I do have such a great relationship with him. He's the most fascinating human and, you know, I homeschool him now, so I spend a lot of time with him. And that's not to say, uh, you know, that we don't have our moments or our days, but, you know, from where I was, which was not a great place and just felt like I was just coming up against roadblocks all the time and beating myself up for not being a better parent or you know understanding who he was, and just moving through daily life feeling really frustrated and and worried you know and concerned and overwhelmed. Um, it took a number of years for me to kind of flip that around, and a lot of work on my part, but I know that it's possible to feel differently without feeling a need to change who your kid is.
0: And this is the thing that is so, uh, I think, surprising that here we are in 2018, in the years of the 2000s, and that there wasn't any of this real awareness where you could already go to a source and find this out. You were needing to kind of scrabble with it and, and figure out where to find support. Ultimately, writing this book because of all your experiences is a great resource. But isn't it astounding that there wasn't already some established information?
1: It was shocking to me. You know, when we started getting the diagnoses of who my child is, I was like, okay, great. Now what do I do? And no one could tell me, you know, or we'd get multiple opinions from various experts, none of which really felt like a great Fit for us and there was no clear roadmap and there isn't you know for most uh, most of us with atypical kids and so we just feel stuck we don't know how to move forward we don't know where to find information we don't know what we should do for school and we're kind of you know word of mouth you know oh well my friends cousins you know nieces like this let me connect you you know there were this little covert action happening and it shouldn't be that hard They're differently wired. Kids are everywhere. They're in every classroom, in every Girl Scout troop, in every soccer team. It's just part of society, and we should be able to to move through it without feeling like we have to, you know, do so much research on our own.
0: Precisely. And in terms of that, let's just discuss those statistics. The numbers are, are really quite incredible that we shouldn't be looking at this as though, well, I'm the only one because that certainly is not the truth.
1: No, and that's one of the reasons why in the book I I really wanted, and in my work until parenting, I want to look at neuro differences kind of as a collective because when you start looking at the numbers and you recognize, okay, you know, five to 10% of kids have ADHD. Um, At least 10% of kids have learning differences like dyslexia or dysgraphia. You know, X number are gifted. We've got kids with anxiety, autism spectrum. When you look at us as a group, you know, a very conservative estimate is one in five kids. But I would say it's much higher than that. So, yeah, these kids aren't aberrations. They're a, Huge part of our society.
0: And that's a very important understanding for us to have because there is the feeling, I think, as you experience that, uh, oh, your kid is different, and uh, I guess this isn't the place for them, for him, for her. You better find another place. That feels so unconscionable.
1: Yeah, I, I will never forget the time a school administrator told me that my child was the most intense child she had ever had in her school and she had been there for 30 years i was like really is that really true you know and this is what happens in meetings and you know we get this information that this isn't working and it's dealt with on an individualized basis but i think if we kind of join together and say hey look at all of us you know our kids are here and we need to start supporting them rather than you know dividing us into little groups and these kids go there or these kids can't go to this school. You know, we need to figure out a way to support all types of learners. I don't have the answer for that, but that's what I want to work towards. Uh, You know, a a system where our kids can learn the way they want to learn, feel good about who they are, and and be really embraced by society and the educational system.
0: Exactly, because there is such, uh, the Differently Wired have such a different way to look at the world and have this really immense intelligence that the world is really in dire need of too, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that's one of my strongest beliefs is that Differently Wired kids are the key to our future. I mean, if you think about the strengths and the gifts that they have, their unique way of looking at things, whether it's visual strengths, and, or whether it's just uh, being a nonconformist, which means that you are going to solve problems in your own way and come up with unexpected solutions. You know, these are the creative thinkers who, who have the potential to really impact our future. So this is a collective responsibility, and it's something that we as a society really need to, you know, we need to accept and embrace who these kids are.
0: And so here with Differently Wired, we have this guidebook, a, a kind of roadmap or at least a way to, to find a connection and, and feel like I'm just drowning in this vast sea. I don't know where to turn, what to do. Here are just great stories, your personal experiences, al- along with others who have connected with you. Right, Debbie? That's
1: right. I You know, I share my story just so readers understand my perspective and, and what my journey's been like. And what I find is that a lot of people are, sh- you know, I get emails all the time. I cried. When I read this, I could re- I could have written this chapter. Um, but I also did I interviewed over a hundred parents and included a lot of other experiences in there because you know our individual circumstances might be a little different, but collectively we're struggling with the same, you know emotional, Uh, challenges, personal challenges in our families and and frustrations in trying to find a fit for our children.
0: And I want to say at at this point, still early on, that this is also such a great resource for um, older parents uh, and educators to understand a, a a child that they have. In my case, it's an adult stepchild, so I didn't know him in his younger years but to understand his behavior because he is also a differently wired child. But that wasn't understood 30 years ago or 25 years ago when he was in school.
1: Yeah, I I think that's such a great point. I mean, I've had many people read this and say this is should be required reading for everyone in the workplace because, you know, Differently Wired people are everywhere. They, you know, and, and I think to just be aware of the fact that there are these neural differences and people are experiencing the world differently, I hope educators read the book. I know that you know, most educators that I've been in relationship with, they want to support these kids, but they don't have the knowledge or you know, they haven't even learned about they've maybe had one class, on special needs, and you know, in their entire university training to be a teacher, and so I hope that this book also helps bridge the gap to not only understand the kids in their classroom better, but to be able to better align with the parents of these kids, because we need to work with teachers to figure out solutions for the kids in the classroom.
0: Precisely. So this is such an important book for so many, as we've mentioned, the stories within, your experiences, and because of your founding, uh, creating Tilt Parenting, Debbie, this is uh, also a very important piece of it, Uh, great ways, great awarenesses for anyone uh, looking at, you know, just a certain place to start and get going.
1: Yeah, I really hope that TILT, you know, and I get this feedback from parents a lot, so I think it's working, but that TILT gives people kind of a place to go and take a deep breath and say, okay, I found my people. You know, I'm not alone in this. Other people have experienced this exact feeling. They know this sense of isolation, and there's actually a way to feel good through this, and that's my biggest hope for both TILT and the book is to really help parents feel like they've got this and to feel inspired and optimistic about their child's future rather than, you know, worrying or, you know, just constantly banging their head against a wall and trying to to forge a way.
0: And obviously all 18 are important, otherwise you wouldn't have them all... described in the book and go into them uh, with the various stories, but would you say that there are uh, a couple or several that really hit the top of the list?
1: Well, the first tilt is to question everything you thought you knew about parenting, and that's really where we have to start, because what I have found is that the biggest challenges as parents of these kids stem from ourselves and the expectations we had, and us clinging to those expectations, even when our kid is telling us every day, this is not what the journey is going to look like. I've got other plans. So we have to start questioning our ideas and beliefs about who our child is, what the journey would look like, what their education would look like, what their nutrition should look like, what their social life would look like. We have to examine all of those and uncover where we might be too attached to something that's not really based in reality. And that's a really important one. The other one that I, that was really powerful for me is just re- letting go of what other people think. You know, when your child has invisible differences, you know, and their behavior is really the only thing other people might see and they might judge you, right? Like, when well, your kid is really out of control, you're a you must be parenting totally wrong. You're not reading the right books. And so we can feel very judged. And it's really challenging if you're concerned about how others are perceiving you, then we're not prioritizing our child's needs. And so we need to really let go of, of what other people think and judgments that people in the world might have about who we are as parents or who our child is.
0: Oh yes, there's more than enough judgment to go around, isn't there? <laughs> That's so true. Indeed. And and it doesn't help anyone. So to gain awareness, and again, it, you might want to walk around with a a copy of Differently Wired and, you know, anyone who is going to give you this kind of evil eye or you know, strange look. It's like, "Oh, perhaps you'd like to read this and gain some understanding."
1: Yeah, and I think this came, I did a book talk last night, and and someone was was asking this, like, what do you say to people who feel the need to impose their ideas or suggestions or give you parenting advice? And it's really hard, because a lot of that advice, sometimes it's coming from family and friends, and it's well-meaning or well-intentioned. But, you know, it's important for us as parents to, I say, kind of come up with your your scripted responses, you know, how are you going to respond to this situation? The same questions tend to come up. And finding a way to compassionately educate people who may not get it, if, if that's possible. Some people are never going to get it. But, uh, you know, if we can compassionately educate while advocating for our child and while standing in our own truth about our family's experience, that's kind of the best case scenario. But there is a lot of compassion and education that has to happen among parents of neurotypical kids because we need them to help us as well. They can be our best allies here.
0: And do you feel that now with the book with Differently Wired and having your website that this is a way for parents to begin to connect more and maybe have that kind of rallying grassroots effort begin to take form? I
1: sure hope so. I mean, that is one of my goals, and it's been really interesting doing these book talks. You know, people listen to the podcast, and so they are already kind of familiar, and they feel like they're a part of a community, but what's been happening is I have had groups of women come up to me, and it is, there are dads, too. I don't want to say this is just for women, but it's primarily moms who are attending these events, and they will come up and say, we didn't know, you know, we've seen each other in our community for years I had no idea number one that their child was differently wired or they were experiencing similar things but beyond that they're forming they've already said we've already exchanged emails we're going to start getting together regularly so there there is some real community connection happening which makes me so happy that's that's what I want that would be my greatest hope for this is that parents start kind of feeling connected, they, you know, there's power in numbers, and I believe that the more we can kind of find our people, and then other people who are living in pain and secrecy in their situation will feel more empowered to step forward and and speak their truth, and I hope it's a kind of a snowball effect in that way.
0: So that's really heartening to see this happening.
1: Ugh it is it's uh you know for me and and i i live abroad right now and so i don't have the opportunity to connect with people in this way and it's been incredible for me to see this happening and know that i'm playing just a small part in connecting people it's uh it is it's very heartwarming and and humbling and uh, it's an honor to do this
0: work And it's obvious how important it is. When we think of this individual beginning as a child, and you you describe for Asher what it was like, going to school where he was expected to conform there's so much conformity that you know in an educational system that's supposed to really stimulate and and find our gifts and encourage us he was so anxious that his this poor child was, was so stressed and how can one learn when one is living in that kind of situation
1: you mean if our child is is feeling that kind of anxiety exactly yes yeah you know, I think we need to really look for, just kind of pay close attention to what's going on. If it, I didn't realize Asher was anxious. I knew he had other things going on, and it wasn't until a therapist pointed out to me that anxiety was probably his biggest challenge in school, and I, I had no idea. And, you know, he's like, well, just look at his fingernails, you know, and, and I was like, yeah, he He doesn't have any. I mean, he was gnawing his fingernails down, and that was just one sign. You know, I think our kids are communicating to us all the time. So when they are dysregulated, you know, meaning they are displaying behavior which is just more intense or they're having more frequent meltdowns or they're low frustration tolerance and all of these things, or they're exhibiting signs of anxiety, that's a signal to us and we need to pay attention that they are, they're, they're in fight or flight mode. You know, they're not thriving. And when you are in fight or flight mode, which a lot of these kids are, there's no learning that's going to happen. There's no academic learning that's going to happen, but there's also no social, emotional growth that can happen because you're so busy shutting down, right? And trying to just stay protecting, protective of yourself, and you're not open to growth. So, we need to really just pay attention and and parents know, like we know when our child isn't thriving and we need to trust that instinct if we're feeling that.
0: And the other thing that really stood out for me, and I would think this happens for other differently wired children is to feel like there's something really wrong with you rather than embracing that. Oh, that you're just doing this differently. It was like, no, this is wrong. This is bad. And he was feeling that he needed to keep apologizing for himself.
1: Mm. Yeah, it really, and he still apologizes a lot. You know, it's been so drummed into him that he needs to apologize for, for things like, you know, interrupting or, um, you know, fidgeting too much or just really anything. So, yeah, a lot of these kids, and they identify as the bad kid. They're getting sent out of the classroom or to stand in the hallway or, you know, and it's just heartbreaking to be, you know, seven or eight and think you're bad. You're not, you're not bad, you know. And so for me, and I think this is the case for many parents, there's some reprogramming that has to happen. And I I interviewed someone for my podcast who talked about for every one kind of correction, and that's a strange word to use, but you know, one kind of uh, thing that we're reminding our child of that they might want to work on. We want to do five positives. They really need to get a lot of positive reinforcement. You know, wow, you're really working hard on this, or you really persevered, or I love how calm you were during that transition. You know we need to help them feel really good about themselves because they for so many years many of them are told time and time again that they're they're screwing up or they're they're being ill behaved and that's just not the case.
0: And the other thing then along those lines that is so wonderful, you share a story where a family actually talks about each one of the family members, and that's each one of us. We, we all have something that we need to work on and th- that is different from other people. That makes us unique.
1: That's exactly right. As parents, we can, first of all, we're all working on things. That is yeah. absolutely true. I'm working on being more patient. I'm working on being more present, you know. Um, and so what we as parents can also do is, model our own learning out loud like talk about things be really transparent with our own frustrations and challenges and like wow I can't believe I just lost my cool again I'm working really hard on patients but it's been hard for me to figure out and you know just kind of being open about things so our child doesn't feel that all that they're the only ones who have work to do they're the only ones going to a therapist or they're the only ones that need to change but really Everyone has things they're working on, and that's just part of being human.
0: Exactly. And therefore, embrace the gifts that we have and just know that this is life. It's a journey that we're all learning something all of the time.
1: That's exactly right. And I believe so deeply that every human is creative and resourceful and whole. And that means our kids are too, and they're on the journey they're meant to be on, and our job as parents isn't to try to move them onto the journey we thought they should be on, but to let them be their best selves. And that means just helping them embrace their own uniqueness, helping them foster a real sense of self-discovery and curiosity about learning who they are, and really getting out of their way, you know, <laughs> and letting them develop into the, the creative awesome adults that they're intended to be.
0: Absolutely. And that just really comes through so wonderfully and beautifully with stories in Differently Wired. Debbie, I think that uh, you have done such incredible work in this writing by presenting it in such a way that it's so readable and I think resonates with so many people as you're discovering with the feedback you're getting, right?
1: Yes, thank you so much, and yeah, I'm, I'm very touched by the feedback I'm getting from readers that, again, they're really identifying with the emotional experience that I went through, and it is giving them hope, and that's, you know, there's nothing you know I, more I could ask for than to help parents feel more hopeful and positive and confident when they're going down this path.
0: So Differently Wired, Raising an Exceptional Child in a Conventional World, oh, isn't that just so apt, uh, is, is just brand new and just such a welcomed book to our lives. So we can really pick it up at any of our favorite book sources, correct? Correct.
1: Yes, all the usual suspects, uh, online, Barnes & Noble, any independent bookstores
0: should have it. Yes, I'm sure all the independent bookstores will definitely have it, and if not, ask for it, right?
1: Absolutely, <laughs> yes, ask for it, and, and, and they'll they'll bring more into the store, and that's what we want.
0: Exactly. Because it, you know, as we've touched on, and that's all we've done is been able to touch on a few points. It's really key information for each and every one of us to have a really vibrant, thriving world so that every individual feels seen and accepted and, and finds their role in it.
1: Yes. And again, you know, these differently wired people are in every workplace. You know, if you have a typical child, they are friends with differently wired children. You know, it's it's they're part of our society and they deserve to feel completely seen for who they are.
0: And we should also mention another good resource, of course, is your website uh, that has the podcasts there as well. So let's mention that, Debbie.
1: Right. So my website is Tilt Parenting and I do a weekly podcast. I just finished episode 113, I think, so uh, I release an episode every week with an interview with a thought leader or a parenting expert. I do interviews with my son sometimes to talk about things from his perspective, and it's really to give parents really insightful information, expert information, and practical strategies and tools that they can, you know, bring into their lives right away
0: and it's wonderful that you have Asher as part of it that's not just honoring of him but really is displays to to him to everyone that he is so bright and intelligent already uh, has been for most of his life all of his life and has a lot to share in the world
1: yeah and what's really nice is when i thought of having him on the podcast i thought this will be really helpful for other parents to hear what's going on in his mind because he's really articulate and self-aware and so i thought this is a cool peek inside a kid's brain but what's happened is I, a lot of parents co-listen with their own differently wired child and that has been really cool because suddenly these kids are like hey he sounds like me you know that's how i feel so it's been a really um unexpected bonus to those episodes that they've reached you know kids as well as parents
0: So perfect. Well, this has been perfect. You are wonderful. I so appreciate all that you're doing and that you've shared this much time with us this morning. Thank you, Debbie Reber. Oh,
1: thank you so much.